Welcome to the Moving Forward podcast. This is your anchoring host, Rio, and we have Seth from the Dividend Report on again here today for VP Debate Talk. Uh, <laughs> so say hi, Seth. Hey, Rio. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me. Um, it feels like a lifetime since the last time we spoke, even though it was just a week. I've been watching these YouTube videos of this uh, influencer, I guess, talking like she's going forward in time four months or she's going back in time four months and talking to her past self and and like the the catharsis of just the comedy in these videos saying oh you don't know about rgb yet you know you don't know about this thing you don't know about this thing it's like yeah this this year has been a non-stop train of the most insane types of developments and here we are where I could go back one week from today and have no grounding to say what in the world is going on. Like after we had our last discussion, everything went sideways, right? The president of the United States contracts COVID. Um, just absolutely insane. I don't know. How are you processing everything? Hungover. Uh, <laughs> I, I, know, I know that you were drinking um, last night for the VP debate with your significant other. I was doing the same. Um, we had intended to fill out our ballots and drink champagne, and then the VP debate happened, so we, we watched that and drank champagne, and we still have to fill out our ballots. Maybe we'll do that tonight and drink champagne. But yeah, so I've got a whole bunch of coffee here. Um, that's good. And it's, I'm on the West Coast, so it's a little earlier where I am than where you are, Seth. How are you hanging in there? You know, I, I do really bad with alcohol. I have like day-long hangovers. They will, they will continue throughout the day and persist. So hopefully I can maintain a good, uh, a good train of thought for the, uh, the audience here. But to be honest, the debates last night were, you know, in, in some way it was comforting. It was a return to norm uh, with the absolute lunacy that we saw last, last week. It almost felt nice to get back to the boring, mundane um, <laughs> politics as usual, right? Yeah, they're still lying, but at least they're lying with decorum. <laughs> so overall, like, I don't think the debates last night are going to change anything dramatically going forward. Uh, I don't think anyone, uh, most people probably don't even know who the vice president is in this country. You know, that was the first time many people ever heard the guy speak, in my opinion, uh, probably. So it, well, I mean, whenever they pull American, not pull, whenever they ask Americans um, unsolicited whether or they can name the vice president, um, shocking percentage of them can't. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's just Mike Pence. I think that says more about Americans than it does about Mike Pence. Yeah. Have you ever seen the map where they ask people to point out Iran on a map? And there's, you know, dots in the middle of the Pacific. I mean, those are probably, you know, the, the tricksters who are just doing it for a laugh. I, I, I like I like that, you know, like over half the population said that they would support bombing Agrabah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Specifically, um, like it's such, a, it's such a lovely country, too. Why? <laughs> right. Right. Disproportionately Republicans. Republicans have a big problem with Agrabah. Maybe it's a preemptive strike in case Jafar wins next time and we have to deal with an evil genie. Yes. Yeah. I think it's, it's that and the magic carpet, something about those seem just a little too frilly for the Republicans. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're living in, in uh, different times than even just a week before. Uh, as we speak today, I've got my Twitter feed up and, you know, uh, Trump is apparently asking the attorney general to indict Joe Biden 26 days before the election. 
Uh, he is leading this country in a corticoid steroid induced mania. And uh, Nancy Pelosi is rightfully calling for opening discussions on the 25th Amendment. Uh, we have, he is unstable. And, you know, if you're anywhere uh, around a healthcare bubble, you understand what a drug like dexamethasone, dexamethasone can do to someone's mind. And it's insane to think that, that really this isn't the, uh, the only thing that's being talked about right now is how the guy with the nuclear codes is, is acting the ways that he is even after the debate. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Um, I checked um, the internet when I woke up and it looks like Yang's prediction last night may have come true. Uh, he's uh, Andrew Yang is uh, talking head on CNN now, and he had some great analysis. Basically summed up, I would say, as um, nothing much changed. Um, all Kamala needed to do was familiarize America with her and her story um, in a way that didn't mess up the trajectory that the, that the election is already on. Um, and he thinks that's that she did that. I, I tend to agree. Um, and so therefore he said, look, I think Joe Biden, you know, the, everybody knows that when you're ahead in the polls, debates don't benefit you. The person behind in the polls benefits from debates because it's a chance to mix things up. And Yang said, I think Biden should say, I'm not going to debate Trump until he tests negative on COVID um, unless, unless it's a virtual debate and then, and then I'll do it. Um, and <laughs> this is a really amusing exchange. Anderson Cooper was like, he, he asked, he, he was like, Yang, you know, you're just saying like, I don't want to be on stage with a guy who has coronavirus. <laughs> That's how Anderson Cooper summed up Andrew Yang. And Andrew Yang was like, would you? <laughs> <laughs> it was so memorable. And then, and then it made me think of the fact that in the VP debate, uh, Pence didn't want the plexiglass between him and Kamala Harris. Uh, pink eye Pence. Um, I actually haven't seen that on Twitter yet, but people should start saying that. Pink eye Pence. Apparently pink eye is, can be a uh, symptom of early onset coronavirus. Um, and so here's this guy who looks old and sick with plexiglass, two layers of plexiglass and a bunch of space between him and Kamala Harris. Um, and then right afterward, <clears throat> Andrew Yang is talking about how basically the Trump administration is this plague ridden threat to national security that you have to stay away from. <laughs> it's just so crazy. You can't yeah. make this stuff up. I haven't seen pink eye pins, but I have seen Lord of the Flies. Uh, That's good too. No, I just came up with Pink Eye Pence, so give me credit <laughs> unless somebody beat me to it, which I'm guessing they did because it's pretty obvious, but I still like it. I'll try to start the hashtag immediately after this um, this episode. But yeah, and then what do we see Trump do today or yesterday? You know, the uh, the committee the committee for the debates comes out and says, you know, we're planning on doing a virtual debate next week. And he comes out and like flat out says, no, I'm not going to do that. That format is BS. I'm not going to sit behind a computer, which like you said, he needs a good debate. He needs like some kind of good showing. This is shooting himself in the foot, almost like a deliberate, he wants to lose so badly that he doesn't even have to go through the effort of trying to uh, throw the election integrity into the question and just slink off into whatever hole he is going to find overseas when he loses. Because it just... But then again, that's the problem. 
trying to ascribe some kind of of uh, strategy to Trump right now is a, a, like it doesn't make any sense because he's out of his mind on drugs. He's confused. His sense of time is all over the place. If you take a look at his Twitter, like he's trying to run by the same play, playbook that he has previously, which is call for stimulus, have the Republicans put forward something that won't pass, try and blame the Democrats when it don't, when it, when it doesn't. And then when the Democrats push for something that we actually need and the Republicans don't even let it get to the floor, call them out again. So he's trying to run that playbook, but he comes out and says, I am canceling all stimulus talks. And then when he sees the market drop like flat, I think he realized that he's, he's missed his, uh, his play a little bit. He comes back right around and says, I'm ready to send out $1,200 checks to every American. Let's go, Nancy Pelosi. It's, it's insane. We're being two, run by Two hours after he said that he would not, after he, he commanded the Republicans, not just his administration, but the Republican in Congress, as if he's there, like he's in charge of Congress. Um, after he, he commanded that they not negotiate until after the election, Two hours later, he's like, I'm ready to go. Send me a bill. I'll sign it. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, just, yeah, he's unhinged. He's totally unhinged. And I, I think it's important to remind everybody, especially people in the Yang gang, many of whom are here mainly because they want the bag. <laughs> if we do get stimulus checks before the election, do not give Donald Trump any credit for that, okay? It's not his money, right? It's our money, the American taxpayers' money coming back to us. Um, it's not out of his pocket. He'll make a big deal out of the fact that it has his name on it, which I'm not even sure why they, why the government lets him get away with that, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably like his only, it's probably his only demand. I'm going to veto it unless my name's on the check. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a narcissistic prick. Anyway, um, it's our money coming back to us. And let's remember, I pay more in taxes every week than Trump do- did in an entire year. So if you're going to thank somebody, thank Rio. <laughs> Yeah, I'm literally fitting more of the bill than he is. And, and honestly, so are most middle class Americans. Yep. He paid less than most of us. So do not let this cheapskate who got first class uh, medical care at our expense while he's not paying his taxes take credit for anything like that. And me being primarily a universal basic income advocate, what really gets under my skin about this specific behavior is, well, one, you know, it's classic projection, in my opinion, that one of the biggest objections that uh, right-leaning individuals would have with the universal basic income is this notion of dependency on the government. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, what happens when you give them that kind of power? Then they're going to take it away unless you, uh, you know, you're going to vote for them to keep the checks coming and i'm saying well no that's why you put it into a bill you put it in as a right a universal right and that way you take the power away from them here we're actually seeing trump holding back resources from the american people as a bargaining chip it's wow. exactly the type of behavior that is the, it's it's gross it is so gross he's yeah if you don't if you don't reelect me then you're not going to get the checks guys all right meanwhile Somebody ought to explain to this man, if he doesn't get reelected, it won't be up to him, Mm. right? It's not like he can be like, you didn't elect me, therefore I'm not going to send the checks. He won't have any power. He he thinks he has more now than he actually does, right? Mm. But he won't have any power. Oh, and by the way, have you seen this stuff? There are so many people in the Yang Gang who are like, please, President Donald Trump, please just sign an executive order 
to, to give us stimulus. And no matter how many times you try to explain to these people that the president can't just increase the national budget by $2 trillion through an executive order, they don't want to hear it. What, what's that all about? Oh, man. You and me got caught into a conversation on Twitter a couple of days ago after the debate going over this exact thing. I haven't necessarily seen a lot more specifically of them calling for that. I mean, my thing was if Trump wanted to get something done, he has a certain amount of authority just in the sway he has within his own party. But definitely like thinking he can just snap his fingers and provide stimulus, that's asinine. Uh, but there does seem to be some kind of uh, thought out there right now that he has that type of power or he should try and force his hand to see just how much he can get away with with executive orders, which is, which is troubling, I think, absolutely. But at the same time, there are a lot of people out there who are suffering. And I don't, I don't blame people for – that's the problem with, with uh, like – you know, authority figures in times of crisis is that they gain power by taking advantage of people who are desperate. And that's exactly the type of thing that we will see, that we can see Trump's using it as leverage. It's, it's awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trump's bad. But also, <laughs> people should learn about how the government functions, right? I mean, imagine, imagine how awful it would be if the president could just unilaterally sign something and then print two trillion dollars right hmm. that would be a disaster is that a precedent that a republican wants to set so that when bernie sanders becomes president he's like modern monetary theory bitches we're just gonna print money like there's no tomorrow i mean good god what a stupid idea it would literally make the entire congress irrelevant right hmm. it's a lunatic idea I, I can't believe anybody would entertain that it's another, it's another pressure that's leaning towards this, this slide towards fascism, towards uh -huh. um, authoritarianism. I want to bring up this, this tweet from Mike Lee uh, that I just saw today. It's insane. It's insane. And there's a relevant quote that says something along the lines of, if, if conservatives become convinced that they cannot win with democracy, they're not going to give up, you know, they're going to give up democracy to maintain power. This is the tweet that, that Mike Lee sent out 11 hours ago. Democracy isn't the objective. Liberty, peace, and prosperity. He actually misspelled prosperity. Prospefity are. We want the human condition to flourish. Rank democracy can thwart that. So we're starting to see elected congressmen come out and openly say democracy is not our primary focus. We do not want the will of the people represented. We want the power to decide what is and is not acceptable. Uh, and, and that's not good. It's not good for the right or the left. And, and so we, we need to be able to step back, even though I can understand when something is so fundamentally broken, people will get itchy and they'll start to say, well, we just need to do something right. That, I understand where that comes from, but we have to, we have to curtail that. Yeah, in the case of Trump supporters, I, I honestly do not believe that it's because they're desperate or because they, per, they perceive things as fundamentally broken. I think it's because they're afraid of shifting demographics. They're afraid uh, and angry and bothered by the fact that Black people and women um, do better than them. They don't like seeing 
you know, like a black trans lady who's rich, you know, that sort of thing bothers them. Um, I, 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 I really don't think that they're good people at this point. I'm sorry to say, like, I don't. I actually, uh, Tom from Nerds for Yang was on um, before you uh, a couple episodes ago, Seth. And he was saying, you know, there are people in my family who's voted for Trump and they're good people. And I'm just thinking like, how, how, how far do you let things go, right? How far do you let a president go in assaulting, assaulting our democracy, assaulting the rule of law and the constitution, the way he does, and just keep apologizing for his supporters and, and doing so thinking that, oh, they're this poor beleaguered class. I mean, they're doing it because they're racist pieces of shit. Right. I mean, like, why won't people say that out loud? I, Biden, of course, can't say it because he's got to try to get some of their votes and it wouldn't take very many. And, and he's more popular uh, with the flyover states than Clinton was, which is part of the reason why he's doing so well. But I mean, Trump has done so many criminal treasonous things in just under four years that you would have to sit down and do a bunch of research and take notes in order to list all of them. I had an episode um, a little while back called authoritarianism where my guest had bothered to go through and take some notes and, and even he only got through maybe a fifth of them. I mean, you know, like when, when Obama was in office, the biggest, biggest uh, scandals were that he wore a tan suit um, and that Dijon you know, mustard. He, he, he had a, he had a pastor in his youth that is kind of a, a jackass, right? Mm. You know, I mean, what the heck? Like, to go back to the topic of the VP debate, which I guess it's kind of meta, also tended to be about Trump, right? Mm. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but like, I, I think that Mike Pence, as you said at the, out of the outset of this, acted much more like a gentleman. He still interrupted a little too much. Kamala Harris even interrupted a few interruptions here and there is actually normal in a debate. It's, 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 it takes a lot of self-control to not ever interrupt somebody when you're debating them, you know, as, as you and I know, because we've, we've been in debates, but the bottom line is setting aside any disagreements with either of them about policy, they were acting like grownups in a, in a democracy, having a serious conversation about policy. There were lies told it, you know, it, it's still not perfect. Um, and democracy is messy. But it was refreshing to see how an actual person who believes in democracy participates in the process. Mm. And, and it's just the contrast with Donald Trump's toddler tirade couldn't be, couldn't be greater. Of course, Trump doesn't want to do another debate because they will mute him when he starts. He interrupted like 150 times in like an hour and a half or something like that. It, it's crazy. When he starts doing that, they're going to mute him. Um, He's going to look weak and frail. We barely have seen him in the last few days because he's probably still struggling to breathe. He's definitely still infectious. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I quoted out. Um... I mean, at this point, odds are Joe Biden is going to be the next president. And Trump is his, his, his infection is an actual threat to the life of our next president. This stuff is just bonkers, dude. We live in the craziest time. It is the craziest timeline. Yeah, Trump is effectively a bioweapon. They're going to have to just sanitize that entire building. 
after we somehow get him out. And not just Trump. Yeah, like his whole inner circle has caught it. I mean, statistically speaking, we're going to see several people in Trump's inner circle die in the next few days. Now, this is so many of them caught it. This is so important to harp on. I mean, in the past couple of episodes we've done together, I've gone off the deep end a little bit talking about our slide into authoritarianism, our willful disregard for scientific reality and how dangerous that is. Listen, look at what, like, let's just imagine that you were, that this were a little bit saner times and um, conservatives had their shot to, to get the Supreme Court majority that they wanted. And it wasn't so uh, inundated with all of the, the other nonsense that's happening. You should be infuriated if you were on that side of the aisle with how much disregard ha- there has been for this virus. They're about to blow their shot because this virus is infecting every, like, you know, it, the nomination event of uh, a- Amy COVID Barrett, that's what they're calling her, is the super spreader event that very well may stop her nomination in the tracks. It almost feels like Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish for them to allegedly, you know, not do the vote until after the next uh, president has been elected. Their disregard for her dying wish appears to have set off some kind of curse. It's insane. It, it really does feel like there's something supernatural going on there. But regardless of that, what I'm saying is this is a, a perfect example of the consequences of disregarding science. It will mess you up, even if you have no... Uh, no care, no sympathy for elderly people, for the 210,000 Americans who have died, right? I, I keep on getting people on my Twitter account trying to tell me, listen, the Republicans, they just aren't as empathetic. They have a different, they, they think logically. There is no logic. There is no logic. Like in the natural world, there is something called selfish altruism, where you work for the good of the people because that will in turn benefit you as well. This is an exact example of that. And I, I really do think that, you know, on the topic of the debate, which this is the debate episode, so I should try and, and link it back. The very first thing that they started talking about was COVID. And I think, you know, uh, I, I didn't think that Kamala had done the best job during the debates earlier in the year. But when she's on a one-on-one format, that prosecutor within her really, I think, has a, a a time to shine and and she really excels in these types of formats and she she really made a good case for why the administration has failed and well I'll, I'll let you go ahead and say something before i continue i was just thinking maybe that'll be the next national treasure sequel the curse of rbg <laughs> i love it i love it yeah no like it does feel almost uh just uncanny the way that everything has gone in the past couple of weeks you you know their their blatant disregard for decorum seems to be coming back and shooting them in the foot because this could have happened earlier in the year you know boris johnson got infected and that was when i thought oh wow like this is really really serious a world leader has gotten it the fact that it happened now of of all time it, it it's just almost too good to be true i mean not too good i'm not wishing illness upon people and i know rio you're gonna say you're a better person than i am but you know this has changed the landscape of the the entire election with less than 50 days to go with less than 30 days to go now so it's, it was, it's it was interesting well as you were talking about um kamala harris's history as a prosecutor um it was really funny 
uh, my wife had given up on the debate about halfway into it and she went to the next room and I was still watching it with the volume too loud. And Mike Pence made that statement about how Kamala Harris is, is like the most left-leaning member of the Senate. Um, more left than Bernie Sanders. More He's- left than Bernie Sanders. And my wife came back from the other room. Did he just say? <laughs> because they hate Kamala Harris. She's an evil sellout, blue dog, corporate capitalist chill, right? Right. Uh, who put innocent people in jail. I mean, she is by no stretch of the imagination some kind of lefty. What a bonkers thing to say. Left of Bernie Sanders? And, 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 and I, I'm shouting at the TV, Donald Trump's trade policy is closer to Bernie Sanders's than it is to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Donald Trump's foreign policy is closer to Bernie Sanders than it is to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Trump is a lefty. I have been, if I had any hair, pulling it out, talking to people who consider themselves right wing and trying to explain to them that Trump is the lefty in this election. In what universe is a working class labor reaction against free trade capitalism, a protectionist, isolationist platform that you have to go to an actual socialist to find somebody who shares it in the Democratic Party? How is that right wing? I mean, at this point, all that's left of the right is the so-called Christian right part which never had anything to do with right-wing economics and was all just about being opposed to the First Amendment and trying to go back to the time of the divine rule of kings. I mean, it's just like, what, what is right-wing about this party today? Seriously. Right. They, they raised my taxes. Eight years of socialist Obama and my taxes didn't go up. Two of, of quote, capitalist conservative Trump and my taxes went up. I, I, I feel gaslit. I feel like, I feel like the people following Trump who still think of themselves as right wing are living in a different reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're right to feel gaslit. Absolutely. Because you are. We all are. And, you, you know, this brings up, yeah, the facade that you see it when they actually talk about policy, when he brings up, it's, it's void of any truth. It does make me think you were right when you said earlier that it, the entirety of that platform is racist or people who are just very upset with changing demographics with a world that no longer has them front and center and others are doing well for themselves here and there and they hate that because when you get down to the actual policy discussion, they keep on coming back to this. Oh, well, like you're, you're socialist, you're, you're this, you're that. And it's so devoid of any actual truth within it. It's like, what in the world are you actually talking about here? It's the craziest yeah, go, thing. Go back and watch the debates with McCain, watch the debates with Romney, and you will see people arguing for right-wing policy. That isn't, that didn't happen. It didn't even happen. It didn't even happen with Mike Pence, who is much closer to a normal Republican than Trump. Although, my wife reminded me last night, the only reason he seems like a normal Republican in comparison to Trump is because it's Trump, right? Trump has lowered the bar so far. She's like, dude, this is the guy who says he can't have lunch with a woman who isn't his wife. And he still has business lunches, right? Mm-hmm. So he can't do business with any women. <laughs> First of all, that's tying your hands a lot in the business world. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that is a level of prudishness that I mean, you, you have to go back to the actual Puritans, right? I mean, this guy would have been burning witches. I, he, is, he is really radical, right? He's not just a normal social conservative. This guy's really radical. This is the guy who is too homophobic for Indiana, 
and right. got in trouble because he was so so homophobic that he and the bills he was trying to pass and and sign were so homophobic that all of these businesses were pulling out of indiana and his own constituents were like dude we don't like the gays either but we like money more <laughs> shut up you know i mean this guy is this guy is kind of not kind of he really is a radical but mm. but trump has lowered the bar so far in terms of class and decorum and respect for the rule of law and the constitution and democracy that that mike pence would be a huge improvement a mm. huge improvement I, I really hope the Republicans have thought about the fact that Trump is so far behind right now that having him resign and Mike Pence become the nominee could only help them. It could only help them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was one of the things that I wrote down is that his Pence was trying to appeal to empathy in, during the debate. He, he was so starkly contrasted with Trump's performance last week that it, it's like he was at a natural disadvantage because Trump's entire playbook goes down this one path, this one path. He's a bully. He's doing all these things. Pence trying to like turn around and frame this from this, this perspective specifically just like doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it's, it's this weird disconnect that comes off completely. It, there's, there's, there's nothing real about it. And I, I, at least that's how I felt watching Pence talk last night. It was like, this doesn't work. The two of you don't work. And there's probably a reason why I never see you talk outside of a format like this. Um, those were my kind of, inner, that was my inner dialogue there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, my, my first, my first thought was that the VPs are the MVPs, you know, because I, first, first of all, I actually think Joe Biden did surprisingly well in the first debate. I mean, it, it's hard to know how to respond to a child, a petulant baby like that, right? Mm. Who just won't let you get a word in edgewise. It, I mean, um, so he did as well as he could under the circumstances. I was very happy with his performance. Um, but it was a shit show, right? Um, whereas here you have, you know, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence seemed polished, practiced, professional, presidential, right? Both of them did. Both of them did, really. Um, either of them would be an improvement over Donald Trump in terms of just, you, you know, like, I, 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 have you seen this, Seth? A lot of people, people who have more radical anti-establishment politics in particular, will say things like, oh, the Democrats just want to put in somebody who's exactly like Trump, and the only difference is that he'll be more polite about it. Have you seen that? Mm. Not quite. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting thing to me because, of course, in terms of policy and so forth, they're wildly different from each other. So that's just factually wrong. Um, but more importantly, that seems to me to be overlooking the importance of, of decorum and, and, and class and grace and dignity and presidentiality, right? I mean, that is a big deal. The president in our country has a lot of power, but he doesn't have that much power. One, one thing that he has the power to do is, is he, 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 can, he can set the tone for national debate. He can set the tone in a, in a, in a, in a crisis. He can, you know, set, he can go on television and he can, he can say whatever he wants to say and millions of Americans will hear them, will hear what he says and think, okay, that now has the presidential seal of approval. That is an enormous amount of power. And it's part of the reason that this country is tearing itself apart. It's part of the reason families are disowning each other. Um, it's part of the reason there's violence in the streets. Um, I mean, so, so being a leader 
and, and, and setting a tone for the national conversation, one that brings people together, that unites us, like, like Joe Biden's Gettysburg speech did, right? Mm. A uniter instead of a divider. That alone, if nothing else changed, that alone would be enormous. It would heal so many wounds in this country and our, the stock market would do better and fewer people would die at, merely as a consequence of that. Yeah, you know, this is reminding me of a uh, of a take that I'm I'm going to butcher his name. I'm so sorry. Uh, Sagar and Jetty on the Hill Rising with Crystal Ball. He said in the past just couple of weeks, Trump has completely thrown away the re-election that he 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 had in his hands, and it's gone now. Would you Would you agree with that take? Do you oh, think that he I, had it in his hands before he got COVID and before <laughs> some of the crazier things that abate? Uh, I don't know. Some, 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 some people are on, on the, on the far left and the alt right. There's this lack of trust, um, in polls, right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and the democratic process in general. Um, and, 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 you know, you see, you see people talking as if that were the case, but you know, the, the, the actual map, the electoral map, um, is not so stacked against Trump as you would think. Um, with him being, you know, 11 to 16 points, double digits behind Biden in the national polls, um, and 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 behind Biden in a lot of a lot of key states. But if you look at it, I, I saw I saw a map that was that was that showed basically like light pink meant that it was slightly leaning toward Trump, and light blue meant that it was slightly leaning toward Biden. There were a lot more light pink states than light blue states, which which means that's kind of how you can see Biden's huge lead. He's doing way better in red states than Clinton did. Trump is doing worse in purple states than he did last time around. All of that gives Biden a big advantage, which is why 538 has, you know, Biden at what, like an 80% chance of winning at this point. But 80% means that one out of five times Trump wins, right? right? Um, and his path to victory is winning all those pink states because there are so many of them the collective odds that he'll lose one of them are very high. And that's where the 80% comes from, right? Because mm. people forget that th these, especially 538's um, system is very sophisticated. They're taking the electoral college into account. Like that's, that's an understatement in what they're doing. Right. Um, and, and, but like he has a path to victory. All he has to do is win those pink States um, and Wisconsin, and then, and then he's reelected president. So go out and vote, especially if you live in a purple state, especially if you live in a red state, there, are, there aren't any red states, and there are. There were like maybe five red states on that map. The rest of his states are pink, right? If just a few extra people turn out and vote in Texas, he could lose Texas. Yeah. Hey, if you're listening to this, go vote. Go vote. Just do it. Just do it. And get yourself a reward afterwards. Make an entire event of it. I'm going and getting a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Make a game out of it. Like, give yourself a little dopamine hit afterwards and realize that you're you're doing something important for the country. I don't care. I, just, just go vote. Uh, that is yeah, so important. And, and even if you're in a blue state, do it because, uh, you know, Trump is going to cheat. He's going to try to get the the um, mail-in ballots thrown out. He's going to try to get it to go to the Supreme Court and have them throw out enough mail-in ballots for him to win the electoral college. So the the more the larger but the the larger window by which he wins the uh, popular vote the harder it's going to be for him to justify that. 
in in the minds of people on the Supreme Court and in the court of public opinion as people watch it go down. So don't vote for Jill Stein. Or no, she's not running. Don't vote for Joe Jorgensen. Like vote for Biden, even if you're in California or New York, because Trumpism is so toxic and so anti-American. It's so bad even for the right. I mean, it's especially bad for the right. He's destroying the brand of the, of, of the GOP, and he's made it so, that this, so our country no longer has a real right-wing party. That's a terrible, terrible thing. I mean, it only increases the odds that an actual socialist or communist takes power in the near future. 100%. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. Trump is bad for America. The Lincoln Project's ads are the best ads in this cycle. Honestly, they really are. They know what they're doing. Like Trump or America. Trump or America. That's the election that we have here right now. And, and in a blue state, just still signal, make a proud patriotic statement that you're standing up for America against our enemies and their weapon to destroy us from within named Donald Trump. Did you see America's sweetheart, Ken Bone? Did you see he made a tweet that said who he voted for? The craziest. I don't understand the dude whatsoever. He said he voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016, and he's just gone and cast his vote for Joe Jorgensen because that was his only choice. <laughs> he tweeted wait, that, that. that. Wait, wait, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Presumably, if you're okay with Clinton, you're okay with Biden. I mean, dude, right. Biden did move left a little bit on a couple of issues like uh, healthcare and so forth. So I suppose if you're, you know, more of a of a right-wing democrat i could see why you'd prefer clinton over biden but to prefer clinton over trump and then to not prefer biden over trump that doesn't make sense to me yeah i sat dumbfounded at that tweet and i thought this is genuinely the weirdest take i have seen when it comes to casting a vote that doesn't it that does not compute oh ken bone uh he was yang gang too and that's what hurts me as well as you would think People in the Yang gang were, were making America think harder, and I don't quite know what he was thinking and how hard he was thinking, one, when he casted the vote, but two, when he made that tweet. Why would you Anybody tell voting for a third-party candidate isn't thinking at all. Like, right. At all. I, and I get it. I mean, I understand, hey, I don't want to vote between a turd and a – no, you, I mean, it, well, we, we've, we've gone – we've beat this horse dead and continue to beat it. Now, really quick, one important part of the debate that I wanted to also bring up was the uh, – help me out. You know what I'm thinking, right? Supreme Court? Well, that was important too. Let's go ahead and, and pick that up and I'll think about <laughs> that it. That was going to be my next go-to, yeah. That right. was a genuinely interesting conversation. What, what was your take on it, Seth? Well, they kind of deflected the conversation as they did multiple times, right? Pence uh, went back to talk about Soleimani again. Am I correct in that? But it was like he he kind of skirted around it. Kamala addressed it pretty importantly. She said something very important too, which is like, what do you mean pack the courts? That's essentially what you are doing right now with the behavior and the lack of decorum that you've shown and everything. I thought that it was good. I think uh, Kamala had the better the better hand to play and she played it well. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. It was, it was not great. Um, part of, part of the problem is that Biden and Kamala Harris are in a sticky situation. This is true on so many issues, but it's mm. especially true on the subject of the Supreme court. When they're asked whether or not they'll pack the court, they can't say no, because then that could, um, decrease 
turnout in the Democratic base. Um, and they can't say yes, because that could alienate swing voters. There's no correct answer to that question, which is why they have to avoid it. And it really frustrates me because I wish you could have just said no. Um, and, and my reason for that is because I think that saving our democracy from Donald Trump's assault upon it, and, and it's important to point out, it's not just him. One man alone couldn't uh, assault our democracy. He needs enablers. He needs voters and he needs people in his party in Congress and and so all of those people are, are a threat to civilization, frankly. Um, but sa saving democracy is so important that it's worth just saying, look, you know, we're going to have a we're going to have a court for for a few years that is going to, you know, have a lot of Republican appointees, including, you know, people appointed by Donald Trump. That's just going to be the reality. I mean, for one thing, Trump wouldn't hesitate to just lie and tell people what they want to hear <laughs> and right. then he'll do whatever he wants right mm. so i think that it's a it's a genuine disadvantage that the democrats are being so honest um but also um i think it would be i think it would i think it would be a profound statement about how just how important this is because that has been biden's that has been biden's message biden's message is we that we, this is a battle for the soul of this nation that you have this hate filled treasonous terroristic movement behind donald trump that we need to save america from it's not a partisan thing right and this would be a powerful way of showing that that like it's more important to save america from totalitarianism than it is to have you know get our way um in a supreme court appointment yeah but again she can't say that because there's so many democrats in the base that might choose not to turn out then because what's the point we're still going to lose the court anyway though i don't know because i i've i've heard a lot of a lot of um of uh, informed people uh like uh uh mike madrid from the lincoln project for example have said that democrats don't tend to vote based on the supreme court all that much uh right. whereas republicans do so i think I'm, i don't i'm just thinking out loud now but i think that maybe they should just say no we're not going to pack the court like we are, we, we are standing up for what's right, period. And it's not about ideological warfare. It's about America or Trump. Personally, right. that's what I would have liked to have seen. You raise good points. The political calculus, yeah, she fa they, they face this on a multitude of fronts, including more progressive policies, the Green New Deal, uh, healthcare. Yeah. I, I do think, like, I have to wonder, because I see this in the rights messaging, Trump's messaging is they're going to pack the courts. They're going to pack the courts. I don't think it resonates. It, it may resonate with his base, but does it resonate with the left? Again, I don't think the left votes purely based on the Supreme Court. They're voting against Trump they're going to still vote against Trump, even if they come out and say no. Yeah, in this case, happen. I don't know if it's so much the left. I, you're right, Seth, that on a lot of issues, especially things like the Green New Deal and Medicare for all, um, there is this tension between like retaining swing voters and conservative Democrats and then the left, right? That's mm -hmm. a, that's a, that is a very similar tension where no matter what they say, they're going to lose people. Um, but on this on this issue, I don't think it's the left. I mean, in my experience, the 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 economic left doesn't seem to care all that much. A lot, in fact, a lot of the time they seem they say things like, you know, if Democrats would just moderate on social issues, 
then the Republicans couldn't, you know, win in these working class states anymore. Um, and then, you know, our, you know, workers paradise could commence. Um, so if anything, they seem willing to throw a woman's right to choose and same-sex marriage uh, and all of that stuff um, under the bus. Um, so I don't think it's the left. The Democratic base is more liberal than the left. And I think they, they care about Roe v. Wade. Um, it's also, frankly, it's, 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 we talked about this after Ruth passed away. It's kind of dumb of the Republicans, in a way, to force through um, this uh, confirmation. Because, first of all, 70% of Americans support Roe v. Wade, including about half of people who oppose abortion still support Roe v. Wade. You can oppose abortion on moral grounds and still think that the government at the federal level shouldn't be telling people you know, that, that they can't have a medical procedure. Um, it's a nuanced position, and most pro-life people actually have a position more like that. Um, and so they're forcing this through a very popular Supreme, Supreme Court ruling. Mm. And as I said in that episode, the court shouldn't be ruling based on popular opinion, but that, that, it can't, that can't be good for the long-term brand of the party. Right. I mean, they must be planning to just totally, you know, succeed at their destruction of democracy per that, per that quotation you read, which is terrifying, right? That must be the plan because the path they're on now isn't going to get them a broader coalition. Right. And it's strong political points to Kamala during that discussion where she brought up um, Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln taking it upon himself to say, no, we will not fill this seat during this election year. Right. And like it, it, they did that in 2016. I didn't get mad until they turned around and changed the rules this year. Like if we're going to do it that way, fine. Let's just make it a precedent. That, that's the largest and greatest issue. So yeah, I think she a, got a year away versus 30 days away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just absolutely asinine. So, you know, she, yeah, I, you're right. Her thing about Abraham Lincoln, that was, that was absolutely spot on. I think that actually you're right, Seth, I, given, given her, what she said about Lincoln, um, I think that, that she did win that question, but only because of that. It, 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 the, the, I think that the cards were stacked against her because there was no way that she could answer that other question about packing the courts. Although she did pivot too. Mm. Boy, Kamala's a really good debater because you're right. She pivoted to the fact that, and, and she made this specific point, she pivoted to the fact that the Trump administration is appointing judges that are not qualified, that are incompetent for the job. And it was damning because Mike Pence didn't even deny that. Right, right. How could yeah. you let that stand? Especially if you've already proven you're willing to lie. He just let that sit there. Like, yep, we're totally appointing people who can't pass the bar to be judges. The fuck? Yeah, I, I was impressed with Kamala on, a, on many different fronts. Uh, she did a, an extremely good job pivoting and, and taking the reins of the conversation when Pence brought up the, uh, the soldier who had passed away who was tortured, tortured during the, the, uh, the foreign affairs conversation. And she, you, you could see the cogs working in her head as she took it. She expressed the empathy to the family who was there in the crowd. And then she brought up Trump's absolutely disgusting behavior, recorded behavior, time and time again when it comes to the military. Uh, she, she is very good one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't see all of that in the debates when there were six 
other Democrats on the stage with her, but you get her into a room with one other person, she's going to be extremely good. And, and you know what? I don't know. Policy aside, I think Kamala would make a very good stateswoman. She would be a good representative of the vice presidency. And I've, I've come around to thinking, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm accepting her as a vice president. That, that was me after uh, last night's debate. That's great. Yeah. So to go back to Yang's point and the analysis afterward, that's what he said. Like, she's introducing herself to the American people. She's showing that she's serious, that, that she, can, she can stand up to a veteran politician like Mike Pence and hold her own. Um, and yeah, she, 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 did a good, she did a good job. Um, Pence did try to come off as sympathetic. I honestly thought that he would be better at it. I was sort of surprised that his smile did not look sincere. Um, in fact, I noted that when he, he multiple times, he complimented Kamala Harris on her accomplishments, you know, being one of only two black women in the Supreme Court and the first uh, black, black woman nominated for vice president, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and on, on her being a prosecutor, right, um, on, on running the, the, the largest justice department other than, the, other than the DOJ at the federal level. And he gave her all these compliments. I thought when he was complimenting Kamala Harris, it seemed more sincere than when he was talking to the American people about how, oh, you'll always be in our prayers. You know what I mean? Like, 210,000 people have died and that's his that's don't worry we'll pray for you i mean i think that, yeah, I think that fell flat and did not come off as very sincere at all well it falls flat because of just basic objective reality you can't spin this in a morally superior way the fact that they try and use swine flu as like you want to talk about a real public health crisis let's talk about swine flu <laughs> I don't under, like, what is the political calculus there? It makes absolutely no sense to me. And, well, and that actually was a situation where it was most, very, like, it's also true to an extent with COVID that it was mostly a threat to people who were old or already sick. But there are young, healthy people dying of COVID every single day, every single day. There is no guarantee that if you're a 28-year-old with no um, other medical conditions that you're going to survive this thing, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, it is way scarier than the flu. Mm, yeah, 100%. Uh, his empathy, I think. I don't remember us. shutting down the economy over swine flu. I know. That's, well, these <laughs> days, I, I've learned that I can't really trust my eyes, according to Trump, you know? So maybe we did actually shut the economy down back then. Uh, that's what they would like us to believe, it seems yeah. like. They're trying to rewrite history before our very eyes and say, oh, no, it was, act you know, they called for Obama's resignation over four Ebola deaths. Like, uh -huh. It, it is just so bizarre, you know, and, and so. that and that was actually well handled. I mean, that would that would have been a true. By the way, it's just a matter of time before we have a pandemic outbreak of a much more deadly disease, mm -hmm. um, which is why we can't afford to gamble by putting totally unqualified and competent deranged people in positions of power. Yeah, and I, I know I've probably said this on this channel before, but the fact that they continue to say China virus, the China, the Chinese did this, and it's like, listen, okay, let's just say they did build this virus in a lab and set off a bioweapon, not only on their own people, but the entire world too. We're going to have technology within the next 10, 20, couple of decades where you can build a bioweapon in a basement with a, with a 3D bioprinter. 
You know, we have to begin today putting in the steps that are necessary to protect people from events just like this, regardless of whatever incentive China had to set off this, whatever this conspiracy is, doesn't matter. What we have to be focused on is how did we act? How did we take care of it? Uh And the fact that his entire base is so willing to close their eyes, to stick their fingers in their ears and reject reality, reject the actual world around them is terrifying it's absolutely terrifying it makes me sick to my stomach on most yeah. days and and harris made this point i wish that she had been a bit more forceful and specific about it um but what she said is true that there there was a task force for dealing with pandemics um that uh obama inherited um and then built up right so this was a bipartisan thing because you would think that protecting americans from a deadly disease would be a bipartisan thing right um and one of the one of the 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 improvements that the obama Obama administration made was they negotiated to allow american doctors and scientists to be on the ground in china moderating what was going on over there the chinese communist party doesn't let people do that we uniquely had the power to be there we could have found out about it so much faster they, they wouldn't have been able to cover it up the way they did for the first month or so right right they, they, we would have known sooner we would we could have acted sooner trump and his administration pulled those people out of china as part of a stupid negotiating tactic over his trade war which he is losing which mm. he is losing and by the way you can't win unilateral trade wars it's it's it there is no winning that it's just it is just plain Economics 101, you don't do that, right? Again, you have to go to a bonkers man like Bernie Sanders to find somebody else who, who thinks that unilateral trade wars are a good idea. Actually, frankly, I don't think that Sanders would be as stupid about it as Trump has been. Right, yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100%. It's, I, it sounds to me like you're just low energy, Rio, honestly. You just don't have enough faith in the administration here uh, because he, he's the greatest deal maker in the world. Just look at how deftly he's dealing with Congress right now in his quote unquote steroid mania, generally unsetting, uh, upsetting. So, yeah. right, right. By the way, if he, could, if he could have just signed an executive order and invented money out of thin air, don't you think he would have done that to build his wall? by now yes yes precisely this precisely this and instead what he had to do was steal pennies here and there from the defense department that that congress had approved for other purposes and then he endorses like and he still only managed to build like what two miles or Uh something like Uh that then he endorses like a private uh donation group run by steve bannon who takes regular people's money who are super convinced that the caravan's coming to kill them and they build a wall that gets knocked down by and Hurricane Bannon was Maria. arrested for, and- <laughs> for pocketing the money. I mean, I just realized on the podcast, I haven't yet spoken about Brad Parscall. Right? Oh, right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so insane. Right. The same day that, that it comes out that um, I think it was the New York times broke the news. I could be mistaken. Um, but you know, there, there, was, uh, there was documentation that proved that the Trump administration was intentionally targeting, um, especially African-Americans, but people of color in general, as like a suppress the vote kind of campaign. Um, and some of what they were doing on, on Facebook and so forth was totally legal. But here's the key. 
I mean, apart from the fact that it's despicable, right? Um, but like Brad told the FBI that they weren't doing that. He, and so, so he flat perjured himself speaking to the FBI, which is a felony. And so the, the, the day that news broke that it was like, okay, so this guy committed a serious crime. Um, he held himself up in his house with a bunch of guns and his own wife had to call the police on him and get him committed to a mental institution involuntarily <laughs> because he was threatening to hurt himself and others. This is the guy who was running Trump's campaign until just a year ago and was still a senior advisor. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. And I saw, I saw what they were showcasing, like their an entire list of voters and it would be like black hyphen deterrence and and they would have specific uh -huh. and this is from camp like we've known about this for some time if you go and watch the great hack on netflix how they use so we've known we've we've known that they must have been doing it because you can mm -hmm. do it which is why the fbi asked him and he he perjured himself with the yeah. fbi don't do that that's yeah. not and he knows it like I, I i think there's like cognitive dissonance where maybe he told himself like oh it was a little fib it's no big deal i'm not really a bad person we're not really racist we're just this is just dirty politics you know what i mean i'm a good guy i'm just doing my job you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i think that when that story broke he must have just all of a sudden that like the cognitive dissonance like just hit him and he's like i'm screwed i have ruined my life trying to help this horrible person and now like justice has come and, and it's gotten me i my yeah. reputation is in tatters i mean and he he snapped it also sounds like he had been mismanaging the money that he had made from his his uh his role he's spending it very very lavishly and i i bet you you know his uh when he had to step down and just become you know senior advisor which I, i'm guessing that his role was very limited in whatever yeah ways he was spending it, was. it like a rapper or like someone who, who just got his first contract in the nfl or something <laughs> right yeah well to be fair he skyrocketed out of nowhere he, mm -hmm. he did do he did do incredible things for trump's campaign in 2016 just as a political fact of, of well the matter. fact that he was able to win at all is yeah. quite impressive i mean considering what he had to work with yes yeah yeah, 100%. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we it, we need to be very aware of the types of ways that data is being used. Like, listen, mm -hmm. uh, they, Tristan Harris talks about this, just from your mouse movements alone, how you move your mouse, that is metadata that can identify you. It's a, it's a metadata like indicator, just on how you move your mouse on Facebook, they know that it's you. Like if, you're, if your significant other comes in the room and, and gets on the computer and start using the mouse, they'll be able to tell, hey, wait, this isn't actually our intended audience right now. That very same type of technology is being used to determine uh, people's voting habits. How likely are they able to be swayed? What is the statistical probability? Like there's math in here, like incredible, incredible math. And they're using that to sway the election. And Brad Parscale is part and parcel of this much larger sinister thing that's happening that we have not done anything to try and stop anything. It's disturbing. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm trying to think, were, were there any other standout moments of the, of the debate? Or should we just move on to like our overall uh, assessment of the situation? You know, there, there was like one specific thing, and I am completely just, uh, just, just, just messing up on it. Uh, Foreign policy? Said, no. Healthcare? Um, 
maybe no i I don't know what it was but she at one point taxes taxes taxes. was a pretty big one taxes was pretty insane you know having the environment actually there's a lot of good stuff we haven't touched on yet yeah (laughs) you pick one of those (laughs) sure sure so him continually saying well you know what he actually had a good point right if they we can agree that the tax cuts that that trump came and put, put out they put a short, like short-term burst on people's paychecks, but it's going to go away pretty quickly, right? That's from what I Again, understand. Not everybody's. Mine went up, but yes. Yours went up. <laughs> right, right. But it is quite but Really, anybody who makes money in the blue state, pretty much your taxes went up because they did away with deduction is what happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So anyone and a lot of people, I know people personally who were negatively impacted like that. But in terms of people who did see a little bit of an increase on their pay, uh, pay rates, like that's the problem. There are a lot of people who are swayed by, by numbers like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wasn't telling a lie there per se. People could see that and think, "Oh, they've raised my taxes." If we go and totally get rid of his tax cuts, I mean, this is why UBI is so important to me because it's like that immediate tax cut that people see. It's 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 nothing but good. Ideally, we would do that, but of yeah, course no, I'm thinking about it. I think I think that my my takeaway on it is that if Biden were running against Mitt Romney or John McCain, I'd probably vote for the Republican because they probably would not a normal Republican probably would not raise my taxes and Joe Biden might, you know? Um, but again, eight years of Obama, my taxes didn't go up two years of Trump and they did in the right. first two years. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's possibility. And then there's the reality that, uh, you know, the, the, in, in my in my days of t- paying taxes, um, the only person who the only person in party who have raised mine at the national level um, are the Republicans. So, yeah, this is where do you go me. with that? You know what I mean? Like, but I, I I would I would trust McCain or or Romney because they were good men. Um, it, they they were they were both heroes who put country over party and criticized Trump and Romney even voted to remove him and I'm sure McCain would have if he was still alive. Um, so I would trust those guys. I don't trust Donald Trump as far as I could throw him, which is what, maybe a foot. I mean, he weighs like 300 pounds. This is what's so tricky is, is I kind of, I'm on the same page almost, not in the sense that I, I would vote. It would depend. Right. But them coming out and saying, we're going to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. We're going to raise taxes on people making over 400,000. It's like, if we had been talking about this 20 years ago, maybe it would be a different story. But I understand that the playing field is very different. I, I know that there are problems with the policies that they're putting forward, not necessarily in the same way that Pence might want to frame it, because he's lying to a lot of degrees. People's taxes are not going to go up unless they're in this specific group of but people. Right. Also, the, the little bit of, of tax relief that regular people got, that's part of the bill is set to sunset. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the corporate tax cuts are permanent. Yes. That's um, so the they really only they only did that little bit in order to push through. the whole point was to push through the, the corporate tax loopholes so that people like Donald Trump could keep paying only $750 in taxes. That was the point. The, the little bit of money that and relief that they gave some people in red states, that was just so that people would 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 feel like it benefited them. But why set that to expire? Think about yeah. that. How yeah. sneaky is that? And it's going to expire. It's going to expire whether Biden um, repeals it or not. 
it's already the bill that the Republicans passed. It's already going to expire. It's like and I'm ticking. sure that when it expires, if Biden's in charge, they'll say, look, see, the Democrats raised your taxes. Exactly. I mean, it's just like the natural consequence of the bill the Republicans passed. Exactly. It's a ticking time bomb. It's a little gift that's been wrapped for the Democrats, just ready, ready to explode and then be a negative influence on them. Right. And Trump deciding not to send out stimuluses this late in the election cycle, if he doesn't win the election, and he still doesn't do anything for his lame duck session at the end of this year, then we're going to have multiple months of a continually degrading economy. So but that was something, did you see the Gettysburg speech that Biden gave? Because if not, I, I recommend it. I need to. I heard, I heard very good things about it. Yeah, it was, it was exactly the right tone. We need to bring people together. We need a uniter, not a divider. And he said that I am going to be a president for all Americans, not just the people who voted for me. Mm -hmm. um, and what a contrast with Donald Trump, who's like, the Democrats didn't vote for me, so let their state burn down. I'm going to try to cut federal funding on firefighters. I mean, <laughs> what a huge contrast, right? And yeah. the Trump administration, which, which uh, part of the reason they didn't do anything about, about coronavirus initially is because, or, or really at all, um, other than shutting down travel from China, which they kept going back to, is like the one thing they did. It's kind of like a no-brainer, and that was a month too late as it was. And yes, of course, there are some crazy people on the far left who said, that's racist. But, you know, like, frankly, that was a good thing to do. They should have just done more, right? But, like, they, 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 just, they just keep going back to that. Part of the reason they didn't do, have a real plan on the national level is because they had a meeting and they determined that um, it was going to be a problem that hit big cities mainly. And therefore, they were just going to let it run, like, you know, what's just going to kill a bunch of Democrats. What's the problem? Right? That's the way they think about yes. it. If you didn't vote for Donald Trump, you are an enemy of the country and they are going to intentionally harm you. They're going to let your house burn down. They're going to let you burn alive. Uh, they're going to let you get sick and die. And, and, and it's really messed up when you think about the fact that uh, this is a little known fact. The state that has the most Republicans in it is California because it has a lot of people in it right? right so there are a whole millions 20 million over 20 million people in california voted for donald trump and he still doesn't care about them because the their state didn't happen to go for him yes. that's how vindictive and evil this man is yes you may feel very happy sitting there in the rose garden all around your friends you may be one of those many smiling faces maskless faces but you are surrounded by people who fundamentally do not care about you and they are infecting you with a disease that may leave you with uh, lifelong complications, may leave you with a pre-existing condition that you won't be covered by, uh, by unless you've got some really good insurance. These people do not care about you. Again, um, the way that he treats the country as a whole, not just blue states, but, but anyone who is not willing to give their life for him he just disregards completely and and largely his sycophants too like he this is the new uh this is the new hierarchy uh, from the top down that's the way that we're treating each other and 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 you know as above so below and whatnot but so what did you crazy. think of the environment conversation like well, the green new deal and all that so i mean fracking right that was the big thing uh did did Kamala say that she was going to ban fracking? Was, is is there a quote of her saying that? I, I've been trying to find uh, it. It wouldn't surprise me if in the Democratic primary she said that, right? But she's not the presidential nominee. She's the vice president. She doesn't have the power to do that. Biden's platform doesn't do that. Mm. Um, but of course, you saw a lot of people. And, and, and another example of, of your point, Seth, about the problem of 
you know, um, reaching swing voters versus losing the left, right? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people on the left who are really upset that she wasn't going to ban fracking. Right. You know, there are a lot of people who truly are environmental radicals um, who don't want an actual practical solution to climate change, but instead want to use it to justify a far left economic agenda that has nothing to do with climate. Um, and I'm glad that Biden isn't giving in to those people, frankly. I, 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 was, I was pleased that Kamala Harris stood up um, to Mike Pence and said, like, no, I'm not going to let you characterize the Biden administration as this radical left wing administration because it simply won't be. Yeah. So I also love that Pence came in and tried to say, oh, our carbon emissions are down. Dude, it's because of the coronavirus. No one's driving right now. There's a reason. You can't just say, hey, look at how far emissions have dropped in the past seven months and not bring up the elephant in the room. But you're right about this this tightrope that that they're having to to cross. And it's weird because personally, I mean, I would like to see climate action taken, but I understand that there are things that need to be done beforehand. I, I may be of the opinion that re- renewable energy is just the right way to go. And eventually, you know, just like how the, the coal industry is dying and people are losing their jobs in coal. That was the narrative going into 2016. Those jobs aren't coming back. We're going to move on in different ways. And market innovation will uh, eventually tip into the the. Uh, the path of solar renewables and and all we need is a carbon fee and dividend that's it nothing else needs to be done and that wouldn't cost taxpayers anything right it would actually maybe put a little bit more money in their pocket depending on your 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 the way yang wrote it it would have it was part of how he funded the ubi i mean that's a no-brainer honestly i really wish the democrats would just run on we're going to give a tax cut to the middle class right Mm -hmm. that would take pence's point away from him right not just we're not going to raise taxes we're going to give a tax cut to the middle class. They should be running on that. And on the Green New Deal, they should be saying, no, we categorically reject the Green New Deal. We're going to do a carbon fee and dividend. And that's it. And the market will solve itself. If you ratchet it up over time, the market naturally will find and the private market will naturally find and fund alternative um, sources of power. Wouldn't have to spend a dime. Right. You need to catch them in their narrative. If their narrative and we need, is- We need to bring some money in because we're, we're, we have this huge deficit now, right? We need to start raising funds. And instead, yes. of, instead of doing it by taxing the American people on labor, tax oil companies for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, people- why, the Democrats really, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm as like pro-establishment as you can get in the sense that I, I try to stand up for the fact that politics is hard and that people, you know, extreme left and extreme right are unrealistic in their expectations and, you know, they're not, they're not being pragmatic. Um, But there really is something to this idea that the Democrats are a little bit too beholden um, to certain interests. But by the way, part of the reason they're beholden to those interests though, is because of campaign finance reform laws. Hmm. Like when you could donate to a party, especially a party like the Democratic Party that has this broad coalition that it needs to keep happy, that, that makes the party strong. When you can't do that, when you put caps on donating to the party, then people can give unlimited sums of money to these special interest groups, and that actually increases the influence of special interest groups. Yeah, yeah. 
it's a big issue. We need that's again Yang saying now right now my focus is on campaign finance reform, democracy reform. But you know, back uh, really quick too, you need to catch them in their narrative. If if yeah. Pence is coming back and saying, "Hey, the market works the best. The in innovation will naturally drive one." That was a little crazy to me to hear him say that. But at the same time, if you're talking about market incentives, we need to talk about the crazy subsidies that we're putting into our oil and energy sector. It is like fundamentally unfair if for nothing else just stop subsidizing that and subsidize something else instead but personally i'd prefer to do away with the subsidies and just tax carbon yeah we would see and yes that's going to result in some people who drive who drive a lot having to pay a little more for their gas right mm -hmm. which is why you take all that money or at least a half of it or whatever and you give it back to the american people in a dividend Exactly. And it, you, know, you want to subsidize like green energy, new renewables, universal basic income. The middle class mm -hmm. is going to put solar panels on their rooftops with that little boost in income, right? Mm -hmm. it, it will make sense because uh, renewable energy is more efficient at the end of the day. And if it's more efficient, it will win out. So the best course of option, especially one that I think can be adopted on a, in a bipartisan manner, is to address it from this incentive path. And of course, yeah. that's what made Andrew Yank's campaign so great in the first place. Uh, but instead we find ourselves here with the entrenched narratives and with uh, Kamala having to walk that tightrope not to piss off the progressives but also not to lose the swing voters it is an interesting place to be and I do think if it wasn't for Trump catching COVID and everything going to hell in the handbasket here in the few weeks it would be um, those those points those pressure points would be a much greater issue but I don't yeah, think yeah yeah and in in defense of the Democrats it's it's still true that what Biden is proposing to do on environment is would be a huge improvement and Trump has no plan, right? It's synonymous with the, uh, um, the example of the healthcare issue too, which I think, I think it's fair to say Kamala Harris won on that one, right? right. Because you're, it's easy when you're arguing against somebody who has no plan, mm. right? I mean, in the debate, Trump kept saying, I have a plan, I have the plan, I have a plan, I have a plan. It's like, no, you don't. No, Everybody you don't. knows you don't. Right. Like, show me the bill. Where's the bill that passed the Senate? That's that's a new healthcare plan. Didn't happen, right? It's obviously bullshit. So, you know, given that the alternative is somebody who's going to let the planet kill kill us all, right? <laughs> Biden is clearly the better option. Yeah. And just a quick reminder: the Green Party is not a real option. As for now, until we get ranked choice voting. Like, that's the thing. We need to get there first, and then you can whine and cry about, oh, well, I, I think don't even if we had it, though, I mean, I support ranked choice voting, but to be honest, at least it's going to take brand awareness, frankly. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, sure, they would get more votes than they are now because people could put Biden down as their second option, and more people would feel comfortable voting for the Green Party as their first option. I still don't think they would win, even if we had ranked choice voting. The party has bigger problems. And one of them is that people don't even know about it. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't really know in general what's going on anyways. But hopefully they've listened to this podcast and they're a little bit more aware. Well, the people the who listen to this podcast or your channel are I'm probably in the top 5% of the country in terms of how, how informed they are. Y'all give yourself a pats on the bat. Uh, and <laughs> well, I mean, people who listen to 538 or, or who read The Economist, right? People who, who consume detailed, nuanced... Um, so, you know, content, right? Those people are in probably the top 5% in terms of being informed. It's not just our show. Do you ever see a future in which the debates will be a format like this? I mean, I was thinking about how uh, in high school, you take like a high school debate class, they give you like 
you have to argue this point, you have to argue this point, you have the time to argue it. It is so civilized. It's an actual exchange of ideas. And at the end of it, like there is a genuine enriching, like intellectually enriching experience to be had. That's like in an ideal world, that's what we would have. These debates, even though the one that we saw last night was more civilized, it had more decorum, it was still full of the same types of of uh, you know political framing and lies and and it's it's not a debate it was it was nonsense and in the grand scheme of things it doesn't change anything but I would like to see actual real exchange of thoughts and ideas in this country at some point in the future do you ever see that possibly happening? Yeah, I I, I my takeaway of the debate wasn't as as negative as yours. I think mm. especially when you compare it to the shit show of of Trump's misbehavior. Right. Um, uh and 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 i i don't remember seth if we maybe this is a good way to wrap up but yeah. like it looks like trump actually is backing out and saying he doesn't want to do any more debates do you really um, think that's going to happen are we going to have oh, a debate or knows? not a debate? I, yeah. I, I who knows man like yeah. he's so unpredictable he he's off his rocker yeah. um but like i didn't think it was that bad i i think the the main problem the main problem that we have is that the average voter is checked out and uninformed we, we shouldn't allow people to graduate eighth grade without having a proper education in civics and critical thinking yeah um and you know if if you live in a, a nice suburb of california or new york you got that education if you live in you know the boondocks of kentucky you didn't right and there are a lot of and, and and the people who are not educated have a disproportionate dis, disproportionate influence because of the way that our geography happens to to play itself out in the electoral college. Yeah, right? I'm I'm worth a ton of you. I, I'm worth at least ten Rios, I think. Yeah, I've tried to talk <laughs> my wife into moving to Texas just for that reason. I was like, dude, you know how cheap we could get a ranch out there? You know, every 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 time I listen to uh, uh, Beyonce's Lemonade daddy lesson song i'm like just like yeah i want to go buy a ranch and 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 vote and vote in texas <laughs> and she's like no we're, we're we're california people the texas exodus yeah you'll be a part of the swamp of people uh-huh. but All yeah right. no i mean like so so the the common populist narrative that the reason the country is as fucked up as it is it's not that messed up that's an exaggeration but the reason is because of evil elites hardly right Elites in California and New York who are making all the money and are the best educated have the least influence. Our, our country's messed up because the people with the most influence in the middle of the country make the least money, take the most in federal benefits, they're a drain on the economy, and they're the least educated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? It's exactly backwards. The yep. populist narrative is, is not just wrong, it's backwards. So we need to address that. Uh, yeah, that's... So that's what I was saying. It's like, honestly, we're not going to get good debates until uh. the average person is educated because how could you blame the party? They're not, they're not going to use a strategy that doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Being rational and fact-driven and, and, and you know, making sophisticated arguments falls flat. It doesn't work, so why would they do it? All right. Yeah, I agree. And it's not going to be a proper episode if, unless I, I don't talk about some crazy futurist tech. So I, really quick, I want to just mention, I, I, I think one of the ways that we, we solve this problem is, yeah, it's a terrifying concept that these computers know so much about us that it can tell things about you just by the way you move your mouse or how fast you type. Uh, but at the same time, all technology can be used for good or bad. And when we get 
proper like AI chatbots, they can be used to create the perfect teacher because all of us have different ways in which we take in and learn and uh, entrench information. Some of us are auditory learners, visual learners, kinetic learners. We all have a, a format that works best for us. And sitting in a classroom full of 30 other kids, is you're not going to be able to identify that and really work to people's pros in a, in a, in a way that makes sense given the technology that we have. I see a day in the future where you pull up your phone and it says, hey, I noticed that you slept a little later today. Uh, you know, you might, a coffee would be good for you at this moment. This would be a good thing to eat. And have you thought about this? And gives you like a micro lesson throughout the day in a way that speaks to you and encourages you to foster a type of critical thinking. And we can use technology to create teachers in our pockets and hopefully do it in a way that's not totally dystopian because I, I understand the ramifications and consequences that could occur with that. But, you know, I have to have, have hope somehow. No, no, that's a good hack. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yang has a, has a great education policy too. Um, so let's here's hoping that Joe Biden wins and Andrew Yang has a very influential position in his administration. Good God, I he's hope. setting himself up for a run in 2024. He's he's um, built a relationship with the media, which means he'll get better, much better coverage next time around, not just on CNN but everywhere because he's a face the media knows now. Behind the scenes, he's networking with people in the media, like it or not. That's how the game's played. And he's just set up, he, if he gets into the Biden administration, he gets some experience. Um, he and convinces some people in Congress to back UBI. It's huge. He has, I think, a real opportunity to have Biden's ear, even, even if it's just for a small amount of time. I know, I, I have a feeling that Biden, I have complaints about Biden, but one of them is not that he's disingenuous. I think he's older. I think he may be more removed from the policies I want to see envisioned. But I, I have faith that he is taking things hopefully seriously and that he will. Well, have... I mean, if he's smart enough to reach out to a, a young person like Andrew Yang, who understands the 21st century economy and technology, right? Mm. He's going to lean on him. See, that is the difference between Biden and Trump. Yes, yes. they're both old. But Trump is stubborn and thinks he's a genius when he's actually an idiot, whereas Biden knows that he's old and out of touch and not that brilliant, right? Mm -hmm. He's a charismatic politician. He's not, he, you know, like when, when, when they had that, uh, Trump kept attacking him for his intelligence, you were in the bottom of your class, blah, blah, blah. You're right. Meanwhile, um, Donald Trump had, you know, Michael Cohen, the uh, well-known mafia lawyer, threaten all of his schools with uh, crazy lawsuits and who knows what else if they released his grades. So we know Trump's grades are no better. Biden didn't deny that, right? Yeah. Like, honestly, I think people respect, like Biden knows that he's not, he knows that he's not as smart as Andrew Yang, right? right. The difference is he's going to listen to people like Andrew Yang and Trump won't. Yes. Yeah. As with everything, it is always projection. He just made a tweet today. He said, if Biden gets elected, he won't make it two, two months into his, his term, which said a few things to me. One, it could just be another manic-induced tweet. Two, he's coming around to realize just how bad his, his chances are, and Biden's continually you know, widening that gap. Three, is it projection, right? Does he, does he not think that he's going to make it two more months, right? How bad is his disease? Because I know he's still, he's still shedding virus every time that he breathes. But that's what, that's what it is with Trump. Every time he says something, it is projection 100% of the time. Yeah, they really are going to have to sterilize the entire White House. Good God. Yeah. Because it's not just Trump. I mean, he's infected the whole administration at this point. I mean, 
it's Listen. the White House has the best security in the world, and they they couldn't keep the virus out of the, out of the White House. The Roman emperors knew not to piss off the Praetorian guards, right? And yeah. he put them into a box with circulating airflow, completely hermetically sealed. These people, he's making enemies in all of the wrong places, just for a PR stunt. Just for a PR stunt. Um, and, and yeah, I know that he, he wanted to go back to the White House. His doctors were saying, you cannot do that. And he said, well, fine, I'm going to get into the SUV and drive around the loop. That was, that was a negotiation that took place because he was so intent on getting back to the White House. You know, like this is, uh, it's so easy to read him. It's so easy to read what he's thinking at any time. But at the same time, it's not. Oh, man. Uh, it's just- I've got I to gotta start wrapping up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go and make the gumbo of the 2020 election cycle and watch national treasure today so national treasure three the curse (laughs) of rbg i would watch the heck out of that let's screenwrite it the two of us will be on the the front page of the screen right and uh, i look forward to this thank you rio thank you seth and uh moving forward is our gumbo Hey, it's Seth, host of The Dividend Report. I'd like to thank Rio for the conversation today. More importantly, I'd like to thank you, the awesome Moving Forward community. These conversations are hard, and getting even harder as we near the election. If you share my hope that discussions like these can happen more frequently, support the Moving Forward podcast at movingforwardpod.com. Look after yourselves and your mental health. Things are going to get better. I'll catch you all soon.